Happy Woo Wednesdays. Today I have my buddy Amani Roberts in the house. He is a DJ, speaker, author, and professor. And today we talk about the speaking industry. He's helped me tremendously in becoming a wedding professional speaker. And so he's going to talk all about this. Amani, he's the best. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Get a Heck Yes with Carissa Wu. I'm your host, Carissa, and I've been a Los Angeles wedding photographer for over a decade. I've traveled the world, built my team, and seen it all. I now coach wedding photographers hit 10K a month and build a thriving business. In this podcast, we are going to deep dive into how top wedding creatives get that heck yes from their dream clients. We are not holding back on the struggles of the business and how to push through the noise. Some healthy hustle, mindset shifts, up-leveling your money story, time hacks because I'm a mom of two, a little bit of woo-woo, and most importantly, self-love and confidence are just a few of the many things we will talk about. I want to give you a genuine thank you for following along my journey. I hope to inspire you every Woo Wednesday so that you say heck yes to listening to this podcast. See you guys soon. Hey everyone, welcome back to Get a Heck Yes with me, your host, Carissa Wu. I feel a little fresh and a little rusty. I feel like I haven't recorded for a long time. It is Thanksgiving week. It is a, oh, it's a Woo Wednesdays. And yeah, and I didn't (laughs) post the podcast for uh, two weeks. So that's why I'm feeling fresh. (laughs) And I'm super excited to talk to my dear friend, Amani Roberts. What's up, Amani? What's up, Chris? Good to see you again. Happy to be here on your podcast. Um, I'm just ready to chat. Let's go. <laughs> Yay. I was just looking up um, the podcast I put, Get a Heck Yes, Amani Roberts. And guess when our last podcast was? Oh, a couple of years. I guess exactly been- two years ago. Nice. It was 10 27 21. So that was. Oh my God, that's so weird. Okay, I'm tripping now. That is yeah. that is weird because the it's the 22nd. We're off by a day and we yeah. did not plan on that. We and didn't. I was on Amani's podcast and the Amani experience and it was titled I'm on a budget and that was 2017. Yes, yes. Wow, like over six years ago. My goodness. Yeah, that's when I got the podcast bug. And are you still doing your podcast? So that one I don't do anymore. Now I have one I do with my co-host, Manny Graziano, Adventures in Business. So we do that one now. And we're up to about 40 or 50 episodes. I'm probably going to bring mine back or have a different iteration of it focused on maybe like music business, streamers. I don't know. It's, it's I guess, figure out a way I can be consistent because it is a challenge. Yeah. Are you still passionate about podcasting? Probably less than I was in 2017, but I still, <laughs> I still believe in it and everything. I just, I have to find the way to make the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me it was a intimate way of uh, networking and that always stuck with me. And, you know, two years later, I do feel like I made some really intimate connections through the podcast, including yourself. Yes. So, yeah. So you just moved to Vegas, you know, you're in Marina Del Rey. Um, tell me about your new move and why you moved to Vegas. Good question. So moved to Vegas, you know, I've been in LA for like 16 and a half years. Um, and I, you know, the past two or three years, I found that most of my DJ gigs were actually outside of LA. I was traveling, doing a lot of traveling. So I was like that, but I also teach in LA. I teach at Cal State University of Fullerton, which I love. So I was just trying to figure a way where I could still keep my teaching, but maybe get a new city where I can save some more money mm-hmm. with the pandemic. 
they like a relationship I had. It was a rough kind of two or three years. So a fresh start would be good for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Vegas, it can be busier for me for corporate events, for the speaking, which we're going to talk about because all the conferences come through here mm-hmm. and um, I can save money because it's cheaper to live here. So I said, you know, let me maybe move to Vegas. It happened quickly. It happened very quickly. I said, okay. I looked at a couple other cities, but, you know, in order to keep teaching, I said, let me move to Vegas. I can still commute back and forth to teach at Fullerton because um, I have still have a California residence too. And just kind of roll with it, try it out. I didn't expect it to happen so quickly because it happened very fast from like Labor Day to, you know, beginning of November. It's like less, like, you know, pretty much less than two months, two months, which is wow. very fast. Yeah. And um, here we are. Well, congrats. You show me the new house and it's beautiful. You could get a lot bang for your buck in Vegas and a lot of space. And yeah, yeah, I'm super happy for you. Any plans for Thanksgiving? You know, nothing too crazy because I still got a lot of boxes here. So just unpacking, might visit with some friends. I'll watch some football. My team's not doing the best this year, but I'll still kind of watch them just to see. (laughs) Um, And then just kind of chill. I have to grade some papers. I have um, to do a little like research and editing for my second book. So I have things that I I have to do that have kind of been put by the side because of moving is quite hectic. Somehow I'm still able to kind of at least keep keep pace. So it'll be a little catch up. I don't know, maybe I don't not much shopping, maybe online shopping, you know, yeah, Cyber totally. Friday. Yeah. And that's it, you know, just go for some walks, just chill. Yeah, I love that. So a little backstory of me and you's friendship. Let's see. Did we meet through Marla's? um course mm-hmm. yeah marla diane she's yeah. like a money coach and we were part of a program i think it was about like making impact or something like that yeah. and yeah. yeah it was just good to be friends with like like-minded people me you and robert hilo we started hanging out and going to lunch together and we would always pick each other's brains you know the ups yeah. and the downs of business and just mm-hmm. Uh, talk all things relationships, business, <laughs> crazy biatches. Kate was there Ladies. with us too. Yeah, Kate was there with us. Oh too. yeah, Kate too. Kate, yeah, yeah. So the four of us. Exo um, Kate, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I've seen you blossom throughout these past couple of years. You said you wanted to be a speaker, and you really did it. Um, you wrote a book, and you inspired me to write my book that just launched um, this year, and it. If it wasn't for you, oh, you have it. Yeah, <laughs> I signed it too at lunch. And yeah, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have written my book. But yeah, I've seen you blossom into this amazing uh, speaker. So we're going to talk all about that today. But before awesome. that, just tell everyone who you are, who you serve, what you've been up to, and just a little bit about your business. Yes, my name is Amani Roberts, also known online like Amani Experience, mm-hmm. which is the name of my business, or DJ Amro. I work a lot with like corporate events, you know, either doing the DJing, emceeing, also speak at professional events. I do workshops. I stream one or two days a week on like platforms like Twitch, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, I'm a professor at Cal State University Fullerton. I teach music, business, entertainment operations. I love my students. We have a great time together. We learn together. And I'm also the executive director for the Center for Entertainment and Hospitality Management at Cal State Fullerton. Like Carissa said, I've written one book and I'm working on my second book. And, um, you know, outside of that, I love pancakes. I love my dog, Nyla. 
and crab cakes and, you know, my Washington, D.C. sports teams. That's oh, a nice summary you. about me. Yeah, that's a great resume. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. What was the one about the, I know, professor and then the one after it? Oh, so executive director for the Center for Entertainment and Hospitality Management. So like I help bring recruiters on campus to talk to our students. I help and work with the students and our advisory board to make sure our curriculum stays cutting edge. And then I try to fundraise so that our center can be financially self-sufficient. Wow. Okay. That's, that's amazing. And tell me about like your speaking, um, I'm not your speaking, your teaching experience these last couple of years, because you weren't a teacher before that. And um, you got this gig and I, I feel like it's really your passion teaching these students. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, um, when we first met, I wasn't teaching and I was um, DJing and doing kind of like, you know, networking in the community. I was volunteering at this DJ camp for kids one summer, it was like mm. the middle to end of July. Uh -huh. I got an email while I was there mm -hmm. saying, we have an open position because a professor just resigned. Do you think you'd be interested in teaching these two classes? And I had learned by then, we had learned actually, you and I and Robert and Kate, like we have to diversify our income because we can't just have like one mm. income stream because it's too volatile. So I was like, okay, I'm interested. So they interviewed me, did a background check, and um, like a week and a half before the school year started, they said, okay, you're in, here's the old syllabus, here's an old test, have at it. I'd never taught in high school or college before. I had to prepare, I went to orientation and going into it, I didn't realize that, you know, because I was teaching two classes, I get full benefits. So I actually got full benefits and I started teaching. My first wow. semester, my classes were one to four and four to seven on a Tuesday. So it was back to back. It was not easy, but wow. I somehow was able to survive. They asked me to come back the next semester. I said, okay. Then I had a class from like 10 to one and four to seven. I'll never forget my four o'clock to seven o'clock class. It was amazing because it was like 30 of us stuffed in this little room, but the kids were engaged. And that was really when I kind of hit my first stride. I said, oh, I can do this. Wow. And the kids responded. It went really well. I'll never forget that class. We were in some dilapidated building. Oh, and man. so that was my second class. And then it kept going on. They added more classes to me to teach. Like I was teaching project management. Then I was teaching this one class, uh, strategic business seminar, which all seniors have to take. And I have to credit like Dr. Chandler for giving me these classes, which allowed me to be more well-rounded as a professor. So I could, if one class was eliminated, I could still teach. Then I created this music business class. It took me three years to get it through the system with wow. like all the politics and red tape. And this is the first semester we've taught it. So now I teach four classes there. I've been there for five and a half years. I love it. Um, it challenges me every week. The students, I learn from them as much as I teach them. And like you say, it's it's something that I love to do. And I'm just very fortunate that I was able to get this position and get to stay there. That's crazy. It's kind of interesting how like your book, um, DJ's Mean Business, kind of turned into a course for for kids to for future generations. And it's just a testament to you that, you know, if you work hard, you know, as a, even a volunteer and mm -hmm. people are always watching you. And, you know, if you put your all into little things like that, it could turn into these big opportunities where now you're like pretty much yeah. full time. 
Oh, yeah. I'm like a, a full-time adjunct professor, really part-time. I don't get compensated like a full-time professor, but I work just as much. As <laughs> so yeah, but it's good. Um, and I, I just, like you said, I got it from volunteering on the board for MPI, Meeting Professionals International, the mm. Southern California chapter. Mm-hmm. And it was only because we were at the local schools, Fullerton, Long Beach, Northridge, Pomona, and UNLV. That's the only reason why I got this opportunity because I was working with them. So I'm forever gracious, gracious or happy. Thanks. Yeah, all of those words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, all, it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Okay. And then tell us about your speaking career and how it has evolved. So I started speaking pretty much when I got involved with MPI, Meeting Professional. We would have like breakouts and workshops and I would do like stuff on social media, stuff on like writing a book. And then I would begin to get more involved on the global level for the global chapter, which is like the organization has over, I think it's like 14 or 16,000 members. We have these global conferences. One of my highlights was that at a global conference, let me think here, where was the first one? So I think we were in Toronto and I, I ran this DJ session with Stephen Foster, where we did this team building activity for about 300 leaders of all the chapters across the uh, world. And that was like a big stage there. That was a big stage for me. And then I went and I did some sessions at, um, I think we were in Nashville. I did some sessions there, like breakouts. I did some sessions last year at, um, we were at San Francisco. Uh And these sessions have like 75, 100 people. Then this year, so, you know, it's just continuing to grow. Also yeah. in my local in my local chapter, I would do sessions. I'd be speaking because I became chapter president. So there'll be in-person events. We have to speak to people there. You know, it was just a lot of speaking. Most of this was for free, but the global work I did, I was getting compensated for. Then this year, they asked me to be the digital host for the digital programming. So all the keynote speakers and breakout speakers they would come and see me. We had a, like a digital booth and I would interview them because as you know, we're podcast hosts. I love to interview people. Mm, I love to kind of talk uh-huh. to them. Intimate, very intimate. And so I would, I was being broadcast across the world for people who were registered for the digital broadcast or on the LinkedIn page. So I was interviewing people three days and we did that. We were based in Cancun. So I did that. Then also I had, I hosted or co-hosted a breakout session where I was DJing and then myself and a good friend of mine, Courtney Stanley, we shared the stage and we also did another breakout where we were talking, I was DJing, we were interacting with the audience and um, there. And then, you know, recently just continue to do, like I spoke to National Speakers Association, the Black NSA chapter, the New Orleans NSA chapter. And so it just continues to kind of add onto it. And that's kind of my speaking career, because I say it's probably been about six or seven years of speaking and just continuing to kind of grow. I spoke at Podcast Movement before oh, wow. the podcast conference two times. So, yeah. So basically, you just talked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> With a purpose and a message. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That was a lot of talking. Um, yeah. Do you feel like the podcasting really helped you become a speaker? Like, how did you develop your speaking skills? Because I know it's not hard, in the, not easy in the beginning. Pardon this short interruption, but guess what? I have a new program. It's for all wedding professionals. It's called the Triple Threat. We redo your brand messaging, the homepage of your website. Part two is we do all your marketing. We create a beautiful brochure so you could start getting on prefer venue vendor list and we do all your sales so 
We actually make you a sales presentation leading your client to the heck yes so you get paid. I have a free 20 minute demo training. It's only 20 minutes. Go to my Instagram at Carissa Wu and DM me the word demo. I will send it right over. It's how to get 10 to 15 quality leads in your inbox per month. Enjoy guys. Carissa Wu is a LA-based wedding photographer who's actually turning business coach. She helped me grow and change, and I'm so proud to call you coach. Tell us how you're feeling. Like, I want to just know a little bit more about your thoughts. Yeah, it's beautiful, and you're you're awesome. It's beautiful. I'm speechless. <laughs> I just like the fact that it feels like myself. Like, I can I feel myself when I see this. Oh man, well you got me pumped and excited for this, Carissa. Thank you. Yeah, definitely both interviewing people on podcasts, but also being interviewed, like we're having a conversation now because it allows you the chance to like practice, get uh -huh. your story, um, you know, kind of learn how to tell your story, which is probably one of the most important things in terms of speaking, um, slowing down so you're not talking too fast, uh -huh. making sure you kind of listen. Um, that's really some of the biggest learnings. And then just uh, just getting your reps in. So whether it's an interview whether I'm speaking at a chapter meeting, but podcasting really just helps you get your story right, learn how to tell different stories, mm -hmm. tie them into your message, and then be able to think on the fly because, you know, someone who's interviewing you could ask a question that catches you off guard. So you have to be able mm -hmm. to stop, pause, and uh -huh. keep it moving. Yeah. yeah. What are your favorite topics to speak upon and what is like your messaging for your brand? I love to talk about like how to unlock your creativity um, under, you know, and get through imposter syndrome uh, with the background of music. Mm. That's one. Also, I have a topic that's based on my new book, which is like um, how to rejuvenate company culture. Mm. But I draw a parallel to like black R&B groups where when we were growing up, we had our TLC, our Boys to Men, Destiny's Child, you know, New Edition. Back in the day, they had like um, they had like the Supremes, they had Temptations, Shy Lights. Uh -huh. But now you look up, there's no black R&B groups. So I'm talking about that subject and related to company culture, whereas you want to do what you can to maintain the history of your company culture and keep it alive and thriving. Because mm. I, I share like a cautionary tale about how black R&B groups have kind of gone away and we don't want that to happen. Wow. So those are kind of two of my favorites. I also have a talk that I do. I do it actually a lot with my students where we use The Artist Way by Julia Cameron. Uh -huh. And we talk about just, you know, rediscovering your youth in your current age and your current time time slot. So those are some of my favorite ones. And those are really you know, interesting, those are really interesting topics. I just got back from wedding MBA and mm. um, the topics weren't as specific as that. But it's interesting. Like, remember two years ago, you talked about the RB thing. Yeah, And now your book is coming out. When is it going to launch? And tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so we're working on it now. I finished the first draft. You know, it's funny. I went this summer, I went to uh, Minnesota for a solo writing retreat. And I was able to get so much of the writing done there, which was a great springboard. It's about, the book is about um, why are there no longer any Black R&B groups in yep. existence. And we go back from the 50s, we examine each decade, the growth and the groups that were popular. Then towards the end of the book, we say, what happened? Why are there no longer any groups and what's gonna happen in the future? So it's kind of a part uh, encyclopedia and then part kind of prediction or analysis, what's happening. You know, two years ago, 
I was just getting ready to finish grad school. I went to Berkeley College of Music in Boston for grad school. And this was like my thesis. This is my big project. And so afterwards, I told you, I was like, you know, I want to write this book. But to be able to finish the thesis in, say, December 2021, and then be able to put all that work into a book was very difficult. It was very hard. There's lots of like delays, just procrastination, yeah. maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome, but I was able to do it. I turned in my first draft. I think I turned it in like August timeframe, you uh -huh. know, 100, 120,000 words, which is a lot of words. And um, it's being edited now. And I just can't wait for it to come out and then share the word and then just keep Keep the discussion going. Wow. Uh, was it, so that so, was it solo trip? Um, was it hosted by someone or are you just literally like left I just, solo? <laughs> I just went solo. I found an Airbnb. You know, I have to show you pictures next time I see you. It was like right across. The Airbnb was right across from like Lake Superior. We were in Grand Marais, uh, Minnesota, which is about 20 minutes from Can the Canadian border. And I just was there writing all during the day, take breaks, go for walks, go eat, keep writing. Wow. And I, I think I did like maybe 35 or 36 chapters there. So I did probably almost half of it while I was there. And it just really helped me keep going. And it, it was good because I planned it around a wedding. I was going to a wedding in Chicago. So I went early, uh -huh. for a whole week uh -huh. early. Uh -huh. And this was like the first time I was able to really travel post-pandemic because last year was still a little bit tricky. Uh -huh. um, it just, it was life-changing because it allowed me to get that book done. I got a shout out, uh, my good friend, Melissa Majors, who recommended the city for me. Mm. And um, it was it was amazing. It just was so impactful. Wow. Me and you, like we really hustle and we work really hard at everything. But, um, you know, you have a lot going on. You're always very driven. But where does like this drive come from? I would say like watching my father growing up because he hustled. He was like a college professor. Oh, he wow. was a real estate real estate agent too. But then he's also a father. He would come to all my soccer games. Wow. He'd drive me to the soccer Aww. games, the practices, like, Dang. like, and only now looking back, I was like, how do you have the time to do all this? Wow. Cause I can, just, I can barely manage like me, one person where he had me, Aww. my brother, our mom, like, so I think that's kind of where the hustle and the drive comes from. Cause I, I watched it growing up. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that story. It's, it's yeah. really touches my heart and I hope my kids see that in me. Um, they My will, next question is, how do you manage your time? Um, it's, you know, even with the teaching, that's even, like you said, a full time. And then with like the speaking and like the, the Twitch and the live streaming. And even during pandemic, you did like a lot of trivia. And you still do weddings um, and you do a lot of corporate events um, and, you know, you manage a team. So how do you how does this, all these things in your brain like, you know, get organized? Yeah. Yeah, it's a work in progress. I think I try to kind of bucket my time. I create lots of lists, kind of work through during the day. I kind of take out time in my schedule to make sure I have time for like grading or preparing lesson planning. I have a virtual assistant. And so she'll help me with like some of the grading and the papers and things. Oh, wow. uh -huh. um, so that helps. And just really bucketing my time. I set aside time for the meetings I have to go to. I really need to spend more time doing sales activities. I've kind of fallen off with that. So I have to build in more time. I've I've kind of reprioritized, like whereas I used to stream, you know, during the pandemic, five, six days a week. Now I'm down to like one, maybe two. So, you know, just doing that. Now I have to do more networking events because I'm in a new city. Um, so it's really just bucketing my time, creating lists, trying to stay to a routine and you know just kind of taking things as they are like i know like tuesdays i'm pretty much gone all day teaching most of thursdays so i try to you know do grading 
I can't really get grading done then. So if I have to do grading or prep Saturday mornings, I try to prep for my classes for the next coming week. And then Monday, at Monday, usually I do a lot of streaming. So I try to bucket my time yeah, the best I can I love it. and then fit it in. And then um, it's still a work in progress, though. It's not easy. Yeah, me and Robert were talking about you when we were at, at Bobo. We're like, oh, Amani loves this Bobo place. But we're saying um, you do value your, your friendships um, a lot, but you always have somewhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That brings so. me to my next question. But what has your students, what was the biggest lesson your students have taught you? Oh, great question. Um, like they've helped me maybe improve uh, my communication because, you know, students, they need a lot of communication. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have to communicate with them more. They've taught me the value of like, we use discord for all my classes and, you know, that way they can feel a little bit more comfortable asking questions on a platform that they're used to. I can share information. So I kind of have to make myself be available to them a little bit more um, and then ask questions. They've they've taught me to be more curious. Uh -huh. They're very curious. They ask a lot of questions. And they've also taught me that if they ask me something and I don't know, it's okay to say, you know what? Yeah. I don't quite know that. Let, let's put that on the parking lot. Let me research and come back to you on that. I think that um, they've taught me that they've made me very humble with that. Uh -huh. um, and they just taught me to be open to their ideas, mm. maybe shifting projects around, due dates around, maybe the way I grade, the way I communicate grading, like it's, I'm still learning, you know? So I think those are some of the most valuable things that um, they've taught me and they've just taught, they, but they've also like, they've taught me that people can tell whether you're passionate or you're enjoying oh, what you're doing. Uh -huh. It's very obvious. Uh -huh. And they know, like you'll see on the surveys, unsolicited, they're like, oh, the professor, he comes to class every day. He's excited to be with us. Uh -huh. You know, it's, it's like my favorite class because at least they know when they come to my class, we're going to have a conversation. We're not just going to read a PowerPoint. And um, so they, they, they can tell. And, you know, you just try to be on it. I mean, even, you know, I'll be honest with you, Carissa, even when I was going through a really tough time, like a year ago with like a relationship, I still had to teach. Yeah. Like life doesn't stop. Uh -huh. And so they were actually able to like, give me positive energy wow. to help me through. Uh -huh. And like, you know, I didn't really tell them, although we do have this one activity where we did get to a conversation about it in one oh, of the classes, but uh -huh. like, you know, they were able to give me energy, help, help get me through this. Uh... And during the pandemic, like it was their energy that kind of, allowed me to get through because I besides them, I didn't really talk to many people during the pandemic because you're at home, you're stuck in. So they've given me a lot of like energy, good vibrations in tough times. And they just taught me a lot. So that's a long answer to your really good question. No, I mean, that's so sweet because kids are so like intuitive, you know, they could probably even feed your energy when you're down and yeah. kind of like what's wrong with <laughs> Mr. Roberts. Professor Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Professor Roberts. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure how I'm going to word this question, but I'm curious because I would say maybe like par some parents think that you can't make money in music. Mm. Um, what What is like a mindset shift for these kids and maybe to tell their parents of like, hey, you could actually make a really good career in music? Yeah. Yeah. That's a common concern. And especially, you know, because when you look at musicians in the media, most of the communication is very negative. Like they always talk about, oh, this artist failed to do a follow-up al album or this artist, you oh, know, got uh -huh. caught doing this. Mm. Whereas if, if you know about how to work the music industry, 
there's money to be made mm. consistently. Uh-huh. And so one of the things, you know, you talk about if you're an artist, like you definitely will have your shows, your touring, that's one way. But it's really important for artists to get like their songwriting credits and to be publishing because that's the long money. If your song is used in a movie, maybe you wrote a song 10 years ago, but your song is used in a movie 10 years later. And as long as you get, have the songwriting credits and you own the publishing or a portion of the publishing, you're going to get compensated. And that's going to keep keep you going throughout the tough times of your career. Oh. In addition, like there are different ways for musicians to main, make money outside of performing. You have streaming revenue, but that's that can be that's not really for the majority, only a minority amount of you know musicians, the top. 1% make a lot of money from streaming, mm. but you have merch, you have um, intimate shows, there's different ways. So I try to show, and then on the flip side, you can also be like an A&R where you like discover artists mm. and maybe you sign some artists and you're helping to develop artists. So you can do the same, both at the same time. So I try to show my students just the different avenues that there is to make money show them the concerns and what if they're managing people how they should help them determine do i sign this this deal to work with a label do i go independent maybe i just sign a distribution deal do i make sure i keep all my merch revenue what about sponsorship you yeah. know streaming all oh, there's a whole bunch of, especially nowadays there's a whole bunch of revenue out there so it's just if you teach people and give them the knowledge uh-huh. then they can communicate that with their parents mm. they can make better decisions too yeah. So that's kind of it's it's pretty it's pretty eye-opening of like the different oh, ways yeah. that you could yeah. like you did in your career like diversify your mm-hmm. your income um mm-hmm. just a little bit about your backstory which i don't think people know is like you were in the hotel hospitality business um you mm-hmm. know making six figures and you know you climbed your way up the ladder and um you know you were just over it and i love that story that you said <laughs> last our last podcast where you took the DJ program and you actually failed and it was extremely humbling, um, but you kept going and yeah. you can look back now and, you know, talk about that story to yeah. your students. You see the, the little uh, plaque right there. That's from the DJ programs right there. That one. There, what is it called? One. Scratch Academy based in LA. Yeah. Oh, Scratch Academy. okay. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that failure turn into a success story. Um, getting back to our hot topic real fast, but if someone is listening, um, wedding professionals, and they want to be a speaker for 2024, with the, which is mm-hmm. just around the corner, what yeah. is one tip um, they could do today <laughs> or this week after Thanksgiving? <laughs> a quick message from our sponsor is 17 Hats. I'm collabing with them because this CRM company has made my life so much easier. So here's a question. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from finding success as a small business owner? It's not passion. The fact that you're listening to the show shows that you're eager to learn and get better. No, what holds most entrepreneurs is the chaos of business, paperwork, mailed invoices, and no system to handle it all. That's where 17 Hats comes in. 17 Hats is a better way to manage your small business. It's an all-in-one platform that streamlines everything from lead capture to client communication to click and you're done automated invoices. 17 Hats paves the way for your success and you deserve by giving you back hours in your day. I've been using 17 Hats for over a decade. I always know how much I'm going to be getting paid throughout the year, and most importantly, I always get paid. Thank you, Automation. 
Find what success looks like for you with 17 Hats. Get started for free at 17hats.com or use my promo code, heck yes. Back to the conversation. Well, I will kind of encourage them to use the model that you've exemplified, whereas you have a topic, you apply to speak, like you apply to speak at um, WIPA, right? WIPA uh -huh. Los Angeles. Yep. You spoke at WIPA and then that's it. Like start to identify different opportunities where you can go speak. Maybe you're compensated, maybe you're not, but you have to start somewhere and then just keep applying and keep getting opportunities where you can speak. And then you want to go to like wedding MBA, the big conferences, and you want to apply to speak there and look at different conferences. Maybe you can go and speak if you're traveling to Texas or to Florida, go speak to a local WIPA chapter there. Say, I'm coming in town. I've got this. I've spoken here and try to travel around to speak. I think that overall, within you look at the whole speaking industry. We, and when I say we, I'm talking about the hospitality industry, meetings and events, the wedding industry. There's not a lot of speakers out there that speak to our industry. Like our industry, we do things that anyone can learn from, uh -huh. whether it be time management, project management, managing different people, how to manage emotions if you're doing a wedding and how to handle, you know, an emotional bride, father, mother of the bride. Like there are lots of different topics that are out there that we are experts on in our industry that we can speak to that people outside of our industry would be interested in hearing from. Ooh. So the key is just to get get out there, apply to speak, speak at different opportunities and just continue to progress through it. Wow, now, that's a good one. I never thought about that to like branch yeah. out to other industries because, you know, branding could be for any creative or like sales could be for any industry. So that's yeah. a good tip. And um, just letting the audience know, like my first speech, remember how like how nervous I was? And I was like, you helped me with my structure. And it really did come down to structure. And I listened to like a ton of TED Talks, a lot of Michelle Obama, um, mm -hmm. Oprah, just in drawing inspiration. And then when it came down to it, it was just getting that structure and like kind of, um, I don't know, putting in my personal stories, making it not too long. Um, yeah. But just yeah. giving it like some of the stuff is it's like people have heard before, but you you give a little bit of your own flair, your yeah. your own charisma and turn it into a beautiful speech. So once you do your first one, I'm sure like the next one is a thousand times right. easier. <laughs> like, like, you know, a couple of things to add to what you said is like stories. Like if you think if you're doing a speech, you know, and it's 20, 25 minutes, 30, 35 minutes, like try to get three stories in there. And maybe you have, you put mm. your story in orders of like your best story. So maybe you have your third best story. You start off with that. Like that's your, that's the first story you share. Then in the middle of the presentation, maybe you share like your second best story. And then to close it out, you tell your best story. So you leave people like, with like, wow, I find that that storytelling is the key because we all kind of have similar messages where we fail, we come back, we succeed. But if you tell your story, first of all, you don't need to memorize anything because you're telling it from personal experience. Uh -huh. Oh, that's true. Of all, it will resonate with the audience because like, oh, okay, well, I've been there before. Oh, I've gone through a tough time and been able to bounce back. I can do that too. And um, so I think that's the key with like the structure is like you, you kind of pattern your message around your stories you're telling. And I've just watched people who are much better than me do this. And I listen and I see it now through my, like my participation with the National Speakers Association. And then also Start to keep a story journal. Just write down any stories that you have that you think could be beneficial for you, you know, during one of your speeches. It could be the story about something you've been through with one of your clients. It could be a personal story when you were a child. 
It could be even, you know, although you're not supposed to do therapy from the stage, <laughs> it could even it could even be a story about maybe a tough time you've been through personally. It could be with a family member, with a, a significant other, a job, you know, a class. Like for me, I took this whole program. I, I didn't pass by two points, but then I came back, took it again. Like that's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, so keep a journal of all your stories and everything, and then you can figure out which story to use for which speech. And you, you'd be surprised at the amount of stories you have that would be relevant. That's a really good tip. I think I'm going to start doing that. Those are, there's a lot, those are a lot of good tips in that one answer. Two more questions, Amani. Um, you talked about one of your hot topics is, you know, battling or overcoming imposter syndrome. Um, this is, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing. <laughs> it's literally a syndrome. So um, what is one tip that you could overcome imposter syndrome? And we'll always have it. Yeah, I think um, the key is like to recognize that you have it. Um, remember that you can't compare your chapter five to someone else's chapter 20, because a lot of times you get uh -huh. in a position like that. So we can't compare. And, you know, just acknowledge it and move forward. I'll tell you a funny story. So in, in, my, in my class, in my classes, I teach Management 449 Strategic Business Seminar. We have a day, we just had it last week. It's called the Artist Way Day. So we go through the Artist Way Day and we talk about different things in the book. We do a lot of sharing. I share as well. I'm very honest and, and open and vulnerable with the students. And one semester, it was last semester, um, we, there's a topic, there's a section on our class about imposter syndrome. I play this video. I say, who here thinks they suffer from imposter syndrome? And many times we have students who are first-time college graduates because they're the first ones in their family to graduate. They're getting ready to work in maybe these prestigious companies. It could be like uh, accounting firms, consulting companies. So some of the students were like, yeah, you know, I'm going to work. I'm going to be the youngest one there, but I'm going to be working with people who are 10 years senior than me, but I'm like, like their level. I just don't know if I'm up to it. So we talk about that. I had one student raise his hand. He said, you know, Professor Roberts, I think I suffered, but it's really like, it's really with my girlfriend. Like, I don't think I deserve her. Like she's so much higher and better than me. And, and she's dating me. Like, I don't think I deserve her. And the woman that was next to him said, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying that. And that was his girlfriend there. And so it was so funny. We were like, oh my gosh. I was like, but, but you know, you've, You've already done the hard work. You got the girl. She's here. You love her. You know, you don't need to be a pastor. You got the girl. It was hilarious. Oh, I love it. So, so we helped him, whatever. And now we joke about it when like um so they cute. I saw them for graduation and they were there. And then on like LinkedIn or whatever, it's like a joke we have. So that was funny. Oh, I and love then that. part two is that the next semester we had. Uh, a guy and we were talking about imposter syndrome or no this time it wasn't about imposter syndrome it was about what's something that you need to do but you've been stuck and what's the payoff for you staying stuck oh shoot that was another question we talk about and then this one student said you know i i need to ask my girlfriend to marry me but i'm scared i don't know what her parents are going to think i don't know what my parents are thinking wow. and you know all the women in the class are like oh my gosh let's figure this out they like were oh, geeking out so we were helping out or whatever mm -hmm. that was i know i went off on a little left turn but that was just another story about imposter syndrome and how it can be professional of course but it can be personal too and it was just a funny story about how we were able to help him too with professional or personal imposter syndrome oh <laughs> i love that it's such like a mindset shift and confidence boost for yeah. both stories that's so cute um yeah. 
Thank you for sharing that. One last question. You always give the mic drops, but last <laughs> last episode, you gave me this quote, which always stuck by me, but you said um, you teach people how to treat you. And mm-hmm. I hold that like with me every day, because even if I do get in a situation, I always bring it back to like what could have been communicated better. Um, so I always ask myself that. And if you do let people walk over, all over you, like it's kind of on you. So mm-hmm. that's something I always keep is what is one quote you could leave us with today? It's kind of like a similar one, but when, when people show you who they are, believe them. Uh, yeah. And um, I think I first heard Maya Angelou say that, but I, you know, I tried to ignore it when someone showed me how they were and it came back to bite me. Yep. And um, I think that in business and personally, people are going to show you how they are. And, you know, you just, you have to say, okay, that's yeah. how they are. Is it something that I want to deal with or I need to walk away and it's okay to walk away. And that just really, um, I had to learn that lesson. So a lot of times you hear these quotes and you're like, oh, that's a nice yeah. quote. We'll put it up on the wall right. or whatever. But until you live it, it won't resonate. Yeah. But that quote now, that quote now a hundred percent resonates with me because it's true. Like if they show you who they believe it, cause it's going to come back and they're going to continue to show you who they are in different ways. So that's the quote I'll share with you this time because it's hundred percent true yep. and it's always around us. Yep. You'll see red flags really, really fast. <laughs> cause you had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we, um, I love this conversation. Tell everyone where to find you, the podcast, the Instagram, the live streaming, the book, everything and everything. Yeah, so like uh, Amani Experience, A, M is in Mary, A, N is in NTI Experience, one word. That's where you can find me on like uh, Instagram, Twitter, or X, Facebook. You can look up Amani, Space Roberts, Space DJ on LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. As you can find me, twitch.tv backslash Amani Experience, YouTube, the same thing. Those are all the platforms. I spend most of my time on like LinkedIn, maybe a little bit on Instagram, a little bit, even TikTok, a little bit. Book is going to come out uh, hopefully first quarter, 2024, first, late first quarter. You can find that on Amazon or my website, which is ImaniExperience.com. Just reach out, say hello to me. I'll respond back. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how to reach me. And I just wanted to also say like, Carissa, I'm so proud of you because you, you continue to do this podcast. You continue to try new things like the speaking, mm-hmm. your business has evolved. You added the coaching. And like, you know, you've been in the game now over almost 15, 20 years, but you're still very consistent. And that's the one thing that will continue to set you apart. So it's like an honor for me to be on your show a second time and to see the growth. And I just wanted to say I'm really proud of you. So keep going because you inspire me. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm proud of you, too. That means so much to me. Thanks for joining me this week on Get a Heck Yes with Carissa Wu. Make sure to follow, subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot and post to IG. Tag me. Also, don't forget to download my free guide on how to become a lead generating machine. See you next time, wedding pros.